This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of February 20th, 2021. Heineken moves beyond beer. Maybe that'll work better in green bottles. Japanese whiskey regulations exist now. Not sure if good or bad. People are truly wanting to drink Sam Adams Seltzer. Whiskey terroir? How fancy are we going to get? All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, where we cover this week's new week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Justin Frazier. I'm Christopher Walker. And I'm Casey Price. <laughs> and let's get to the news and get this weird non-Britney feeling out of us. Uh, Heineken is going to be moving beyond beer. Uh, and by doing that, they're cutting 8,000 jobs. Jesus Christ. Ugh. Yeah. Uh, so they're moving. Uh, this is coming from CNN Business, which is becoming a very reliable source for drinking news, it seems, lately. Uh, Heineken is cutting 8,000 jobs trying to move, quote, beyond beer, end quote, after the pandemic, pandemic hammered sales. There's a lot of puns in that. Good job, uh, CNN, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't like CNN editorials, so... <laughs> no, I really don't. But this is... Honestly, this is better than their editorial section. Uh, the brewer of Monetti and Amstel uh, said in an earnings statement Wednesday that it will slash almost 10% of its global workforce and seek to save 2 billion euros, $2.4 billion... American, uh, that's over uh, two years. That's two point four constellations. Ballast right? points. Ballast points. Uh, yes. Ballast points. Yes. Okay. <laughs> ballast points. Uh, over two years as part of an overhaul designed to improve efficiency. Hmm. Yeah, eighty thousand people. That seems efficient. Yeah, that's that's how you get efficiency. You just cut huh. eighty thousand jobs. Oh. Eight thousand, eighty. Eight thousand. I'm, I'm, I'm adding. I mean, sorry, we're we're 10. we're adding zeros. It's my fault. Um, uh, despite working uh, where uh, commas and uh, decimal points are important, I frequently make this mistake. The restructuring will cost uh, four hundred and twenty million pounds or five hundred nine million dollars. Uh, will reduce the head office staff costs by twenty percent. Head office staff. So maybe they're cutting it from you know rich jerks no i think this is a uh like sales are down so production doesn't need to be where it's been at so those people are gone well let's check the next sentence regional offices and local operations will also be impacted okay never mind you're right uh Heineken, who has the best NASDAQ uh, name, Heine, uh, will report a net loss of 204 million uh, euros, which is 247 
uh, $0.6 million dollars, uh, in 2020. I'm sorry, for some reason, $2 billion to $2.4 billion, uh, never mind, it's the rounding. I'm just looking at it like, what? why are these numbers nowhere near consistent? It's because of decimal point. Uh, anyway, uh, the loss of 2.46 million U.S. dollars in 2020 compared with a profit of 2.2 billion dollars the previous year. Ouch. Yeah. Uh, big swing. Yeah. That's yeah. That's so, that's, that's losing that's a three billion dollar well, swing. Do we care to spitball uh, on? It's 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 a it's a two and a two and a third. About about two and a third billion three, dollar swing. Three billion dollars. Care to spitball? Because no. you go from. Two point seven in the good, to you, negative. You lose two point seven million. So negative yeah, twenty five. No, two point two seven plus seven. That's going to be like two and a third. It's going to be because it's that that two hundred million is going to be part of that that point seven, not the not the two. So consider it point two five, basically. Uh, roughly, sure. It's math. So, oh, okay, to... yeah. Never mind. Never mind. I see what you're saying. Where do you I'm, think this loss I'm looking is at the wrong numbers. from? I mean, we yes, COVID. But um, if I were to put my COVID. money anywhere, where do you drink Heineken? I don't uh, say never. you don't because you can't find. I mean, I don't I at really, all. Yeah, at all. Where do you I see don't like people the taste drinking? of rat piss? <laughs> where do you Applebee's. see people drinking it? Besides, well, okay, that's one thing. Uh, In the gutter. Uh, for me personally, it would be at soccer games. And there haven't been Never any. Never been to a soccer game. <laughs> there haven't been any in over a year, so that's like well, yeah, soccer I mean, games. It would either be local beer or Heineken is predominantly what is being drank. So okay, if, I, like sorry, especially to... in the states, if you're seeing that in the culture and there are zero soccer games happening, yeah, their sales have taken a massive hit. I was thinking of uh, World Cup, which is uh, uh, sponsored by Budweiser. But yeah, you're right. I'm assuming at at least American uh, uh, MLS soccer, uh, it, yeah, whatever it is, uh, soccer games. They are uh, they are set at uh, you know probably Heineken or whatever it's is. Just international is. sports in general being canceled has dealt them a massive blow. Well, the CEO says uh, the impact of the pandemic was amplified by our on-trade pub, bars, and restaurants, and geographic exposure, uh, said uh, Dolph Vanderbrink, uh, who took charge in June just last year. Heineken uh, estimates that the end of January, less than 30% of bars and restaurants were operating in Europe, which is the biggest market. Uh, many countries in the region uh uh, in the region, reimposed lockdowns in December and have tightened restrictions since. Heineken was written ha, has written off one point uh, sorry one hundred ninety one million dollars to two hundred thirty one million regarding to uh, various individuals in UK pubs. Damn. Yeah. Uh, with more alcohol consumption taking place, Heineken's direct-to-consumer platforms, including Beerwolf, uh, Six to Go, and Drinkies, tripled orders last year. Online sales of its home draft uh, systems grew in the mid-double digits. There's a home draft? Am I to yeah. assume those are like uh, the the companies you were just saying? Are those like the European versions of Drizzly? I'm assuming so. 
Although now I'm wondering if there's like a European you buy a pint where they pour you on draft and they have like I think it's like keg sales for home, like the uh, quarter kegs. Maybe people buying for home because honestly, if I had a kegerator, I would have been doing that this whole time. <laughs> I had a bath. Well, yeah, if I had a bathtub, I could fill up with ice and just keep a Sam Adams six tool and just start pumping beer out of it like it's someone's wedding. I mean, I'd probably Look, have that. It, it can't always be my wedding. So <laughs> it can't. But however, that's me and me and Ian were doing our we're doing our level best. So beer wolf would be something that you would those little mini kegs in that same same genre you could do like a mini keg draft so you put it into a, a little tiny genre yep yeah, basically you put it into like a little tiny <sighs> oh, same man says that those little, little little baby kegs. Yeah, yeah, like the it, it's like probably I don't know ten, you get, twelve. You can get hop slammed in the mini kegs. Uh, Bell. So it would be something like that. Them. Yeah. Except they give you, it's almost in like a two liter bottle. It's a plastic container instead of metal, and you can put them into a, it's a Krups, um, type of of dispenser, but it looks like a little draft that keeps it cool. Which to me, I'm, I'm, yeah, two liter sub kegs they call it. The dispenser is okay. hundred euro or hundred pounds, and then you can get the little kegs for twenty bucks or something. Here, here here's a here's a quick aside. Heineken uh, had the tiny baby kegs, like like even had like the little fake yep. handles. Yeah, still get those. Imagine, Imagine one of those, but it had a pull tab like a regular can of beer. Mm. <laughs> they did. Would that. you be more inclined? Would you be more inclined to drink that? Yeah, probably. Like a twelve uh, yeah, pack. Yeah. You open it, and you got to drink it all. No, and that's so, not a twelve pack. But Heineken, like, look it up. They did it, the uh, keg cans. They were slightly larger. I don't know how, like, ounceage wise. That's over actually, 12. I think that's exactly what I'm thinking about. They made basically they made the cans look like little kegs. They may have been a few. <laughs> an, I don't, look at the look at the Heineken it's keg little can. king's kegs. <laughs> basically, kegs. I'd like to see that. Uh, but no, Heineken did uh, keg cans. Hmm. I, I don't know how to work this damn. thing. I mean, yeah, that's. I mean, that's, that's sorry. That's that's that's. I'm pretty sure that's what I'm thinking of. I'm I'm in no way surprised. Uh, that I'm trying to think of something that came out back in the early 2000s. Looks like a Foster's can a little bit. Yeah, because a Foster's can is, like, is supposed – well, the way they try to portray it, at least on TV, is I, I've never bought a can of co of Foster's. Any gas I bought it on draft. I've, I've, I've never bought a can of it. That's basically uh, what it is, but they uh, they basically just carved out little like handle etchings. To make it look yeah. like a keg. That, that was the gotcha. Heineken keg cans. It, I think it that cute. was like late 90s, early aughts thing. Early, it was definitely early aughts. Yeah. Anyway, uh, beer sales have slipped 8.1% in 2020. Heineken has sold more non-alcoholic non drinks, however, driven by Heineken uh, 0.0, which I just keep thinking is just a very surprised emoji. <laughs> we um, talked about that when that happened. I'm still surprised that's a thing, that that's like, that is... That's one of their pushers now? That's one of their... 
Better sellers? It's a big, it's, it's growing. It's probably one of the fastest growing segments in all of, of alcohol. Yeah, Sam Adams. Although, Sam Adams has a, a hazy, they have a hazy IPA that's alcohol free. Yeah. It's a funny well, way okay. to say it, but the alcohol industry's biggest grower is non-alcoholic. Driven by uh, Heineken 0.0 and uh, Maltina in, in Nigeria, the company has said that the segment has much potential for growth and that it plans to make non-alcoholic, non-alcoholic beer available everywhere because they could hear Casey talking. <laughs> I literally saw the text change as he spoke. Tell <laughs> uh, it, guess. Uh, it's also oh go ahead uh, no i was just gonna say it, no, no, it's, no 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 it's a very i i really i'm for us i'm not very um bullish is it bullish i'm not very bullish on the alcohol industry right now as a whole because there's so many changing attitudes towards it um the kids that are growing up now are very much anti-alcohol um more, more so than when we were preaching at kids don't drink alcohol um, the kids that are growing up now or the people we perceive as kids because they were kids when we were like turning 21 no, no. i'm saying well i mean yes and yes because they're pretty much the same people i'm saying like high schoolers now have a lower rate of drinking than than the ones that were there when we were around and those in three years those folks will be the ones that would transition into legal drinkers, um, which puts most of the alcohol industry in a in a weird place. Not saying they want eighteen year olds to drink. It's just looking at the writing on the walls. If they're not drinking now, um, they're they're less likely to drink then. I am the outlier in that, I suppose. Yeah, we're, we're uh, spending a lot of time on this, but that's it's still a juicy topic that needs to be talked about. There are editorials out there right now talking about how this that generation that we we're discussing, like the ones that are getting ready to transition to being 21, are not drinking, and that uh, they view drinking as our generation being, we're mostly uh, older millennials, view smoking like they view it as this like like it's a it was a taboo thing that we look down on like we we don't for the record we're for the record we're not older millennials my sister is an older millennial and she is about six seven years older than us (laughs) uh but anyway, the group is also pushing into hard seltzers, flavored uh, sparkling water ca- uh, containing alcohol. Thank you, CNN. We really need to know what a hard seltzer was. Heineken launched products in the category in Mexico and New Zealand last year, with more launches to come in 2021. Uh, in the U.S., the it has partnered with drink brands in Arizona, launching Arizona Sunrise Hard Seltzer. Okay. I'm trying to think of what an Arizona Sunrise cocktail would be. Anyone else doing that, or is that just me? It's so, going to be some kind of, of Arizona tea mixed with um, tequila and some kind of fruit juice. I, I really feel like that's the buried story, by the way, because the fact that Arizona is coming out with an alcoholic beverage. Mm, um, yeah. So there it's a 4.5% ABV um, hard seltzer made with real fruit, just a little bit of fruit splash of fruit added in there still at 100 calories though so um mucho mango is one of their flavors that they're launching oh. 
cherry right, punch. I hear mango, and I just get mango. lemon and grapefruit. I hear mango. Oh, none of those see, flavors. I see the are... rock dry humping someone through a wall when I hear mango. Let me put, let me put this out there also. Most hard seltzers in a can, right? 12, 12 ounces. There. Yeah, it's about can right. is 11.5 ounces. Mainly, I think, to be able to say we have real fruit juice and we're 100 calories. Hmm. Like, you can't do the both of them at 12 ounces. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Those are the all segments, right. Well, though. yeah. Well, you know what? Look Heineken. <laughs> yeah, that's enough of Heineken. Um, Japan, they've got to be doing something better now, right? Do they? I don't know. Maybe. Do they? <laughs> so uh, if you were looking for regulation and more regulation, because that's the type of person that you are, uh, look I mean, no further. So, sometimes Upton Sinclair wrote The Jungle and people got clean meat i mean sometimes it's good that wasn't the point of the jungle but that's neither here nor there look to japan spirits and liquors makers association which they have announced a sweeping set of industry-wide regulations aimed at curbing the spread of products labeled as quote unquote japanese whiskey that are sometimes nothing of the sort uh, Japanese whiskey, of course, has been um, moving further and further up the the ladder of being um, top tier and very expensive, um, pushing out sometimes those Scotch whiskeys of the past. Uh, but it's getting harder and harder to find them. So yeah, it is. Yeah. In you know how long I've been like trying to like <laughs> savor this Habiki I bought. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, no. Eight. No age statement Habiki is getting hard to find. Like, this is getting ridiculous. Oh, no, no. This Habiki does not have an age statement. Yeah, it's just... mine doesn't either, because you can't <laughs> find it anymore. So, because uh, Japanese whiskey has, has gotten the notoriety and the big name, um, with no regulations, well, very few regulations, um, and the shortage, it's the perfect storm of fakery if you will in um in japanese whiskey so they've gotten to the point where even some some of their tricks include importing scotch bottling that as <laughs> japanese and then selling it again or even mixing scotch with shochu um a regular spirits drink so mixing it with like a new make style spirit and then calling it japanese whiskey so they're looking to get a little bit of um regulation to say Let's not water down, uh, literally, our whiskey, and let's let's figure out exactly. Let's, are they saying let's getting... not let's not pull a uh, uh, maker's mark? <laughs> Pretty, I mean, it, worse than maker's mark. If you were if you were to take maker's mark and mix it with uh, grain alcohol, uh, that would be the equivalent, <laughs> I think, of what some are some are doing. So, yeah. well, because well, because maker's mark made that watered down bourbon. And then it didn't sell, and then they repackaged it as a special edition bourbon. Did they repackage it as that? Yes. I didn't know that. I've still got one of the originals. That... Um, Actually, I didn't realize they made it that. I thought they proposed it, and then the outcry was so strong, they said, whoops, are bad. <laughs> oh, no, no. It's entirely possible. I I, oh. I may have skipped that step of that story, but I'm, I was I was mostly certain they had, they had tried to send it. Uh, Casey so, just said they made it. They made it. I've got a bottle sitting in my in my cabinet right now. 
Um, yeah, but I just mean they had to offload that somehow. I so, was fairly certain they had tried to sell it. They did. Well, what they did was they made it. It got put into stores, but they didn't say, hey, we changed the formula. They just put it out there. And as you were buying right. it, you didn't know that you were getting the watered down version. It was just they changed it, didn't change the label other than changing the ABV, and that's it. You know, keen eyes caught what it was. And some stores just sold it as normal maker's mark. Nobody cared any different. Some stores took those bottles to the side and started selling them as like special. This is the the mistake bottles. But there's so many thousands of them and millions of them probably that are out there that it's going to be one of those things that, oh, yeah, you've got that special edition. But, you know, and Kentucky there's stores just dumped it in the ground because they saw it for the trash <laughs> it was. <laughs> Uh, makers is a i mean it's a supposedly you couldn't a, couldn't taste the difference but yeah. still um but in scotland these regulations are not laws so they're actually um they're brought in through the uh, the spirits and liquors makers association so it's a, a, a association that's bringing these forward not the actual government so they're not really legally binding but it would probably be something very close to like we talked about before, the the brewer's seal of approval for being a a, a brewery that is um, a certified craft, basically. Well, I mean, yeah, like you can't call yourself in the industry something without like everyone else raising uh, raising their nose up at it, like in the sense of like uh, um, uh, 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 AB InBev saying that, oh, well, we invented the first. Uh, hmm first sour beers into america and er everyone in the craft beer community going oh did you now did and you? new belgium's Please, over there saying tell me more <laughs> like we're Look. all like putting our like interlocking our fingers putting them under our chin going please tell me more so <laughs> we we know for a fact there were no more than what eight of us at new belgium what was it like two <laughs> days after that happened really that tour? close after yeah, it, it was like right uh, after, and we were uh, having um, oh crap, which one of their sours was it? We were at like one of their which one was it? It was, uh, like the it was their first sour. It was, yeah, it was uh, one of the two, Felix and Oscar, one of those two. One of, we were having like in the brewery, like down on the brew floor. He's in telling us about it, and then we just like cheekily leaned in on the bar and are like, oh, I thought Bud just. Yeah, oh, we're that was happy. Happy. and we're like, I thought that Budweiser just uh, released the first sour beer on American shores, and he just stopped and like is like, I knew I was gonna like you guys. <laughs> he just went, let me, let me, let me find something else for you. You guys are great. And then our tour guide goes on to start like an online thing about being a massive beer guy. Like he started his own beer show, and it's amazing. Uh, he, yeah, he's he's uh, didn't know this, but he's like one of the guest stars for a uh, a homebrew supply stores like online uh, YouTube channel. Um, so their regulations are going to say the only raw ingredients allowed for use in production are malted grain, other cereal grains, and water extracted in Japan. So no bringing in water from somewhere else. You got to use wa Japanese water. Um, got to be that irradiated water. <laughs> no, no, they Fukushima. can use Fiji water. <laughs> Fukushima no? water. No, uh, not. 
So malted grains must always be used. They always have to have a malted grain in there, which is important because that means that you're not having to add in a um, uh, add in a uh, an extra like uh, alpha amylase enzyme or an enzyme that that's kind of added to it. Um, some may, but you at least have to do the malted grains where it's getting most of its stuff from there. Um, fermentation, distillation, and sacrification. Uh, basically turning the the, the, the sugars uh, into sh- starches into sugar uh, must take place in a distillery located in Japan with an alcohol volume of the distillate not allowed to go over 95% strength listen that's uh, to me that 95% strength i want to know why they brought that up because if you want to go above 95% strength it is such a difficult process. You can't distill above that. It's the the water. It's yeah, an, you're gonna get. You're 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 not gonna get an actual distillate. You're just no. gonna get ninety five percent is the topping out. You like you can't go any further. You can't get a hundred percent alcohol without a drying agent. Um, well, I, th- I guess maybe that's the idea is that you you have to do it from the process, not from you know adding wood alcohol to your whatever. Well, even at that, like, so water and alcohol form an azeotrope, and those two things bind together. So once you're distilling, like, it won't come off the still any any higher than that. So you to get it higher, to get it 100%, you add something that soaks up the water, and basically you just remove water a different way. There's no reason for you to do that. Like, there's really no benefit for that extra 5%. You just make more whiskey or make more liquor to begin with. So that's a, that's a weird one to me, but I, I want to know why they put it in there. Cause my knowledge doesn't go that far. Okay. Um, Real quick before we get like, there's, I know there's a couple more of these, but like Japanese whiskey is basically just Japan trying to make scotch. Correct. Right. I'm not crazy. Right. Correct. Yeah. Yes. And it's delicious and amazing because it's, honestly, I mean, it is like, scotch. Yeah, that's say to come at it from a novice perspective, it is a very approachable scotch. It's like a, if you're afraid it, of peaty scotches, go to Japanese whiskey and it will really prime you and throw you headfirst towards peaty scotches because I, Japanese whiskey is just amazing. I came like reverse into it and I'm like, holy crap, I should have done Japanese whiskey first. It's 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 scotch with um uh uh le- it's it's scotch with a different I don't want to say terroir because that's about the earth but it's scotch with a different water profile more or less yeah. because <laughs> Japan yeah it's not Scotland you're not filtering it it's, through peat it's the it's the scotch approach like scientifically and chemically but it's using like the raw ingredients are different. Like it's not using the Scottish ingredients. Yeah. Um, wooden casks with a maximum capacity of 700 liters must be used for the maturation of the distilled product um, and have to be matured into Japan for a minimum of three years. I love this, that you're going to get a minimum age basically for it to be um, approved by this. That, I, I haven't read the rest of the way into this, but um, I want that right now. As you say, age statements on Japanese whiskey are hard to come by now. I so would, it, it, you won't. You I would can, at least like to, I would at least like to know how long something has been aging in something. That's yeah. at least the longest something has been aging. Well, the idea of this would be that 
even if they don't have an age statement on there, you know, just because it would be Japanese whiskey approved by this one group, um, it has the been oldest Goram bottle it's hit is at least ten years old, <laughs> or some some extent. My my thought is at least you know it's been three years for it to even get that name. Period. Um, mm-hmm. Just like with bourbon, um, for straight bourbon, I think it's four years, but for bourbon, it's like two years. So you know, you you really have to look for an age statement on those, but um, they've, they've got one just because of the name it is. Uh, bottling has to pl- take place in Japan. This one I'm not as, like I understand there's probably some like f- cash flow reasons. They probably get more if they, they ship it out of Japan in a glass bottle already uh, rather than shipping it out of Japan in a vat. Um, so if you get a tanker truck that ships out versus individual bottles, it's a higher price point. So taxes can be a higher. Um, and the whiskey has to have a minimum ABV of 40% like that. Um, although if you're buying a less than 40 ABV whiskey, what are you doing? What are you doing? Your life? You should, you should give up now. There's nothing, nothing you're going to do in your life. That's going to be, you know, worthwhile. Uh, plain caramel coloring is allowed to be added you know, it's a common practice, uh, not only in, in Japanese whiskey, scotches, but a lot of other whiskeys out there. Uh, I would be okay if we didn't add it because I understand it's to make it look good on the shelf, but it, the color tells a story. And so I want to be able to look at a bottle and say, that's a really dark color. That means it is probably aged longer or their char is a little bit darker versus a bottle that I look at and I'm like, that's light colored. Um, that's been in a used barrel or something along those lines. The caramel coloring throws some things off. And the only reason it really, to my understanding, the only reason it's there is to make it look better on the shelf. Um, I mean, so is yeah. that, a, is Although, that just us as like Kentuckians or is that a, like, you know, the consumer like your average consumer is going to really care about that. So no, it, also, I was going to say, I think that's, I think that's, I want to say that's everyone because whiskey has a certain color. Like it it's, it's going to be like, you know, like an amber. Well, for amber us, to, yeah, that, that, the that bare minimum, like a straw yellow. And like, we look at that and that tells us something about like, um, I don't know. Would that be as us as like, I don't want to call us snobs or anything, but just like, informed consumers like we look at that like we can look at uh you're you're looking at whiskey and you look at uh some jameson versus some bourbon sitting on the shelf and you notice the color difference like that there is just like the the bottle is trying to hide that color difference is that yeah i was gonna say like you can't notice that until you pour it Uh, yeah i mean and and so bourbon is not allowed to have caramel colored added Period. Yeah. And if you call another whiskey in the United States a straight whiskey, you're not allowed to add it to that. So if you've got a straight corn whiskey or a straight rye, you can't add caramel color to it if it's called straight. So with those two things, you you can have a comparison of one to the other. But it's not necessarily saying that a darker color is better. It just gives you more information. So if I'm looking for a lighter colored whiskey because I want a lighter drinker tonight, I can I can look at color as a determination of that. So I wish they would go the way of saying we can't add it, but I understand why they do because scotch is allowed to add it and they're trying to emulate scotch. 
Yeah, uh, that's yeah, that's fair. Um, I don't know. It, it's uh, <laughs> we. You know, I was I was talking in the chat with with Kent about this, but it's like like, and we'll get to these most as more of these go on. But it's like we're mentioning these restrictions. It's so they don't do stuff like add wood alcohol to, you know, like here, here's some whatever. I don't care. Can, it's made. It's made in Japan. You're gonna yeah. like it. There it's, are it's, a lot it's of the Japanese. control. It's it's so all the Japanese whiskeys can all the the uh, quote unquote appropriate Japanese whiskeys can say, hey, we've made this thing. It's like this. But on the other hand, I do want to say, like you know, the Ryan Heights Kaboot is limiting. So I, I, you know, it it's difficult to know what it. I want to end on the side of it that where you don't kill your customers. Well, uh, there's you there's, make a good a product. There's two things here. There's safety regulation, and yeah. then there's quality and Appalachian origin style regulation. So. I can get a whiskey that has maple syrup added to it. Right. It is a whiskey with maple syrup. It is not a bourbon. I can get a bourbon that has nothing added to it, and it is a bourbon. I just kind of want right. that same as, thing. As, if nothing is added to it, and it's made in Kentucky, as God intended. <laughs> I, I want something that's not necessarily uh, – if it comes in the U.S., I generally recognize that it's a safe product unless it's been altered just because I I respect that there is a pretty decent importation um, process. Uh, if it's here and it's labeled Japanese whiskey, though, I, I want it to be true Japanese whiskey and not – this stuff that has sh- sochu and, and Japanese whiskey blend. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. So <laughs> is this basically uh, like bottled and bond for Japanese whiskey? Is that I think what so. Kind of moving I, I think so. Now, the problem is, and this is something that they don't really touch on a whole lot, there's not a logo. There's not. They're just saying if you're a member of this association, this is what you've got to do. I want to see a logo that they put on there that says this is like we talked earlier, the Trappist logo. I want yeah. to see something that tells me this is approved. That logo can be copywritten, so you can't use it unless you have been a member of that and you have met these these quality benchmarks. I like that. Fully agree. Um, they have any other real technical things that we need to know about with that one? No, that was pretty much the most of it. All yeah, right, there's well, some stuff about like casks and oh, sorry, did not caramel not... color. Not okay. I will oh, say I, I, color we talk about caramel. Is allowed to be added? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, we need to keep scooting on here, so we're gonna go ahead and get into something real boring, but it's gonna be short. So we're gonna talk about uh, Boston beer is uh, can't meet the soaring demand for hard seltzer. Basically, <laughs> saying Sam Adams is staying afloat thanks to Truly. In- in the the Brittany Brittany Walker Memorial uh, Seltzer segment, yes, uh, I'm actually going to skip the first part because do you want to know the stock part of it? I actually just I bought mean, into Sam Adams uh, or Boston Beer stock wise, and uh, I want you have to declare that. I want to say in in the three of us that are doing this show, yes, but in anyone that's listening to this, no. 
holy God, you got to look into how much. I do not have a full share. I bought it incrementally. You got the full share of Boston beer is crazy. It's over a thousand dollars a share. I have a friend. I have a friend at work that bought some stock a week ago. I don't even know what it is. By the way, I just want to have that sentence with like, I have a friend. And then just end that sentence. <laughs> I have a friend. Yeah, it's good enough. I'm fine. He he I'm good bought with my it. Life. He bought like maybe two hundred fifty, three hundred dollars worth of stock. He sold it on Friday for ten thousand. <laughs> just gonna go ahead and say, if he had put that into Bitcoin, it would have been like three or four times as much. Not in a week, though. Yeah, in no. Week. Bitcoin. Has, well, depending Bitcoin has shot depending up on like, the week. No, this week Bitcoin went crazy. I w- every dollar I'd put into stocks this week, I wish I'd put into Bitcoin. <laughs> um, I but will... aside, so uh, there was no sign of slowdown for Boston beers. Key growth niches, the truly hard seltzer franchise, ended the year with more than a hundred percent boost in depletions. Oh, yeah, I'm doing everything in me not to go. Oh, by the way, yes, depletions, please. Tell me more about that. But All also, I'm doing, I'm doing everything in me not to go into YouTube right now and just pull up truly by Lionel Richie. <laughs> a measure of consumption. Uh, demand was especially strong for the new lemonade flavor that helped Boston uh-huh. Beer significantly grow market share in the competitive hard seltzer niche. Uh, it's just the stocks. hard lemonade. That's Mike's hard lemonade. If you it's want different. to know, no sweetness. Boston, Boston Beer to their nearest competitor. Uh, Boston beer stocks are selling at one thousand one hundred and thirteen dollars a share. Constellation brands two hundred and twenty three dollars a share. Well, yeah, if but their, their product know. is like ninety nine percent glass shards in your throat, <laughs> and you can't compare. Oh. You can't compare share to share just because. Yeah. Um, the the how many shares there are make a difference. Like if I have a company that's valued at a thousand, I sell a thousand yeah. shares. They're a dollar a piece versus, yeah. you know, two shares at five thousand a piece. And it's so. whatever demand. Is. So yeah. Uh, overall growth at depletions landed at 37% for the full year. That metric sat at the low end of management's forecast, but shareholders shouldn't worry about demand weakness. Boston beers growth still more than tripled expansion rate of constellation brands which had its own popular introduction into the category, truly was the only national hard seltzer not introduced in 2020 to grow market share. CEO Dave Berwick said in a press release, Boston Beer estimates that the franchise accounted for 26% of sales in the niche, up from 22% in 2019. Costs are surging, though. The news around costs and spending was less encouraging. Boston Beer again failed to meet demand entirely through its own brewery network, relying instead on other brewers to close the production gap. This move pressured margins and did increase spending on marketing and supply chain. That's not good. All those expenses can be tied to the runway growth of the truly franchise management's choice to satisfy that pandemic-fueled growth we have invested to increase our capacity but these increases keep getting eclipsed by our depletions growth, Berwick said. We've talked about this in the past, how uh, Boston Beer cannot keep up with the demand for Truly, and they are looking outside their own brewing capacity to get this seltzer made. So I'm going to make a prediction. 
and you know how these things work. You know, you throw out as many predictions as you want, but two years. Yeah. Two to three years. Let me have 36 months from now. Okay. Boston Beer Company changes their name to Boston Beverage Company or uh, some other name in there that takes them away from Boston. No beer. way in hell. No way on God's green earth. They already they already trade under Sam, so I don't think it's going to change that. I, I think oh, I think Boston beer goes to something that's a little more generic, more beverage related. Really? Yeah, I think they they go away from beer. Like since it's not going to make up the majority of their stuff, I think they change their name and it's going to be another PR move and a big shakeup and and they talk about how big all these other markets are cuz and it may even be sooner because the beer market shares are dropping so quick. Beer looks bad on people. Like, oh, yeah. it's like, oh, they're a beer company. I don't want to buy their stock because they're a beer company and beer's negative. But if they're a beverage brand or if they're some other um, some other name, I, I think it's going to be Boston Beverage Company. Um, they still get to keep the same letters, but, you know. I can see it. I can see it. No, so that's, I mean, I'm not going to maybe... discredit you. I can see but them I, fully doing it. Maybe I I I can't imagine. He can't. Well, okay, he doesn't have necessarily like final say, but I can't imagine like you know, uh, Jim it. Cook allowing it. But he doesn't have necessarily final. He's not the CEO. Why wouldn't he? Why wouldn't he go that direction? Just because he thinks beer's the big deal. He likes money. <laughs> he he does like money. Like <laughs> I, I I don't know. It's just it's just that gut in me that's like. No. I could see it spin out into a different subsidiary, like we saw the uh, hard uh, hard sodas and hard root beer, because that was all a separate subsidiary for the longest time, and that's all collapsed now, and it's nothing now. Cause I can, do you even remember what it was? I don't even remember what it was because it doesn't exist anymore. Hard not sodas your are gone. Uh, no, they didn't do not your father. Coney Island. Yeah, Coney they Island. Did, they, they did Coney Island. Uh, it's gone. Wait. It doesn't exist anymore. So because it's all collapsed into seltzer. But how how many how many different when you went to the store and looked, they had basically one six pack carrier wide of space. Maybe two if they had the orange version on there too. Yeah. Truly has probably ten different SKUs at any supermarket, liquor store, gas station. Whatever. That's no okay. So to put it in perspective, Truly holds probably like the last time I was at a grocery store and looked, Truly holds probably almost a tenth of shelf space in the liquor aisle. Yeah. Look, like my it is Matt. They they gave up uh, Sam Adams space yep. for Truly. Yep. Like that is Here's fully on front, and I do not fault them for it because I like I will say, hey, yeah, sell all the Truly you need to to keep uh, the Sam Adams seasonals that I like on the shelf. Keep making utopia. We are, we are, yeah. we are rapidly approaching the age where we're not in that 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 target demographic of eighteen to thirty five year olds. Yeah, um, we old, but old AF. But uh, I will say, uh, Kent brings up a good point. Uh, he wants to invest in uh, Broken Throne Brewing, not Broken Throne Beverage Company. You do, but to be perfectly honest, Kent, most of my cells that I could sell t in in keg form come in the form of cider. Mm. So, so speaking, I sell speaking, an equal amount of cider in kegs as I do beer. As so all on, the beer that you make. 
talking about investing and especially in this front. So should you invest, because I was talking about the stock price of Boston Beer, should you invest $1,000 in Boston Beer Company right now before you consider the Boston Beer Company? You'll want to hear this. Investing legends at Montley Full, uh, founders David and Tom, just revealed they believe uh, the 10 best stocks for investors to buy right now, and the Boston Beer Company wasn't one of them. Well, not one of the 10. They're, they're probably... I, I honestly I want to say they're probably about middle of the pack. Like, there, there's no way of knowing when they're going to be going. Also, I realized we pulled this from the, the Motley Fool after the fact, and I was like, oh... I ignore these things a lot of the time during the middle they, of the day. I mean, that's what the story is, though. Yeah. No, 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 no. I understand. I'm just... Is there like, something wrong with the Motley Fool? No, it's just one of those things that like, they advertise on websites uh, for their articles. Gotcha. Uh, but <laughs> it's not how I pulled up the, this particular article, yeah. you know, article when we were doing research. But it, it's still... Yeah. Alcoholic right, cider, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is alcoholic cider. How about, yeah, oh, uh, yeah. we get away from cider and we talk about terroir. terroir. So, on to another whiskey story. Um, terroir. Whiskey drink. You have a cider whiskey. drink. You've, <laughs> Take a that lager was drink. the transition we should have had. You had your cider drink. Now it's time for your whiskey drink. Jesus. <laughs> Hindsight. So, everybody talks about terroir and wine, um, what the grapes in that region and the weather really do to show uh, the difference in that wine versus another that's made with the same same grapes, just in different growing conditions. So, whiskey has been one of those things that has not necessarily always been associated with terroir. Um, when you go and well, buy no, whiskey— Whiskey is, look, Casey, whiskey's flavor is determined by its barrel, and that is just the end of the story. I don't know what else you're going to talk about. Uh, that That's, okay, we can move on, because that's, uh, I'm okay with that statement, actually. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, unless, unless you don't use a barrel. Um, and so. If you don't uh, use a barrel, then you just go kill yourself. <laughs> um, Why bother? Uh, but. So um, there, there again, I mean, there's a lot of studies that go into this, but this is just the most recent one. Um, the, the latest chapter, as it says here in this story from decanter.com, of course it's decanter because it's talking about terroir, even if it is in whiskey. Uh, the latest chapter of an ongoing project spearheaded by the Republic of Ireland's Waterford Distillery, which is a strange proponent of the whiskey and terroir concept, has a single farm origin range of Irish single malt whiskeys. So they did this study, um, and in the study, they proved that barley's flavors are influenced by where it is grown, meaning like wine and cognac, whiskey's taste is terroir-driven. I think okay, that— I have, I, have, I have questions, but I'm going to wait to you a little further through because okay. I'm trying to remember which, which water Kentucky's water is similar to. Oh, gotcha. Um, so drawing this, this line from— because of this, this, I, I don't agree with that. So because barley's flavors are influenced by where it's grown, you can't draw a direct line. Whiskey's taste is terroir-driven, in my opinion. Now, it says here, critics claimed 
any terroir effect would be destroyed by the whiskey making process, saying there's no scientific evidence to prove that terroir even exists. Well, according to this article and the study, there is now. Study uh, analyzed 32 samples of the micro-distilled spirits from two different barley variations, Olympus and Laureate. Uh, from two sites, Athian County Kildare and Boonclaudy in County Wexford. Ugh. I love okay. it. Um, so <laughs> we're two growing uh, I, seasons, 17 and 18. Okay. Now, Casey, we're on the same side on this, but I will, to play devil's advocate, say that maybe they're including peat in Scottish terroir. No, I don't think so. And that's uh, so my my thought processes on this is if it was a really well done study, they just literally used the two barleys and they they since they're not saying okay, so 32 samples, so you go two also, different Also killer Kildane killed help ever and sorry, I'm doing a flogging molly joke and like what the three people on this podcast are going to appreciate it. Never mind. So you've got two different barley varieties times the two different lo- uh, two different location sites. So that's four different samples pl- times the two different growing seasons. You've got at that point eight different um, samples that you could have. So they had thirty-two I, I, samples. I, yeah, I'm gonna say that's probably still not enough for a good scientific sample. I'm gonna need yeah at least. At least an exponent of four of that. It's not thirty-two sixty-four. No, that's still not right, isn't it? I'm not sure. Um, there is a there is an appropriate um, there's an appropriate value uh, that you can get from that. Uh, this 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 reeks. I'm sorry. This is just reeks to me of uh, a pop science where it's like, oh, yeah. a study has oh, yeah. found, yeah, yeah, a study of like. You know, my cousin Jim and his sister Beth Ann, because I'm in Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, I uh, completely get it. Um, now, they did have a, uh, they say here, Professor Kieran Kilcally, uh, but professor of what, professor of where, uh, there's more that I need to know there. Uh, but they took it through a trained sensory panel, um, and they said the the spirit that came from Athi was associated with toasted almond oats and malty biscuit oily finish. Um, spirits from Bunclody were lighter and showed more floral notes alongside a fresh fruitiness. I can understand that you get a little bit of that from a new make spirit. From what they're uh... showing here, though. Okay. It almost sounds like they are talking, and it doesn't do a real good job of of explaining their their process. I'm assuming that they, since these were from 2017 and 2018, they have actually aged this spirit in a barrel. I may be wrong there, but if it was made in 2017, 2018, and they put it in a I would have assumed since then it's been in a barrel and, and they're saying, okay, this is, this is now a lot of what's going on. There is, is what's happened after it's been in that barrel. Correct me if I'm wrong. 
Irish whiskeys are in old barrels, though, right? They are, yes. yes. Sco- uh, bourbon is in new barrels. Irish think, scotch is old. I don't think anything else is in is in a non-used barrel. Right. It, at least legally, it doesn't have to be. So these could be very much used barrels, which will add very little impact to the the whiskey. Now, I have tasted vodkas that have been distilled from three different varieties of of hey, Chris, sugar. Chris, Chris, can you see the monocle forming on Casey's face right now as he's? I can. Okay. <laughs> And you can taste in those a difference, and it's not, it's not a huge difference, but you can taste a difference. They're vodkas, they're triple, dis- they're quadruple distilled, and four times pass through filters. So there's a lot that's been trying to strip out there. They've tried to strip out there, and you can still taste a little bit. So there's probably something there. But I was tasting the difference between rye and wheat and potatoes, not the difference between this wheat. That was grown in, or this barley that was grown in this county and this barley that was grown in that county. I just don't, I don't think it's big enough to make a big difference. It's a cool experiment, but that's just sort of my, my go to. They say that you can taste the difference and um, it's important. Uh, I, we're running long. I got a lot to say on this topic. Uh, if you want to, to kind of taste more of what I think really makes the big impact, go to um, Four Roses. 10 different lettered um what do they call them it's it's like a a, not a i guess it is single barrel but check those out because the yeast character in those is actually quite different and i really like four roses yes we we did a we did a thing on that at one point like a, a a four roses sort of what was that just us i'm like did we record that? no i don't remember i think we did because Casey sent us like a little box of stuff. I don't know anymore. We've done so much personally versus for the show. I don't know anymore. Uh, we've had a lot of drinking. But anyways, yes. I'll move on from there. The, the, the end of the story is that this study shows that you can taste the difference in where the grain was grown. I think I need more replication to be able to say, okay, that sounds like something that's that's actually going on. I mean, fair enough. Like, I, I mean, I'm I'm kind of in that camp as well. Like, we need to kind of know what's happening between all this to kind of know what we're using. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of uh, terroir, I guess. I don't know. Uh, the world's oldest brewery unearthed an ancient Egyptian city. Oh, Chris. Chris, how hard are you right now? Pretty hard, considering this was like my area of expertise in college like i was like i mean it wasn't mine but you know mine was wow (laughs) (laughs) you did know how to play wow on like the most basic of of version can you put wow onto an uh uh onto an ipod video before there was like iphones can you put can you download it all to that and just upload it to computer (laughs) That's right. The 30 gig iPod uh, took yep. it from computer lab to computer lab and was able to play it off of the iPod. Uh, look, I'm just saying, I remember all that. I forgot about that. Oh, my I goodness. didn't. 
Well, look, uh, I, in college, I nerded out with residue analysis from uh, clay pots. So that was my thing. So the world's oldest brewery unearthed in ancient uh, Egyptian city. Even the ancients had a taste for good brewski. It's 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 how it's how you made things. You needed some liquid with bread in there to get you the calories you needed through the day. Yes, but vine pear, come on, you didn't have to say brewski. Archaeologists they didn't, recently dis- just trying to like, you know. Archaeologists recently discovered what they believe to be a five thousand year old brewing site in Abydos, Egypt, making it the world's oldest known brewery and officially making this not from archaeologists but Egyptologists because they are very stuffy and get to use terms that mm. actual archaeologists don't get to use because they're <laughs> dicks. It- One of Egypt's <laughs> oldest cities, uh, okay, uh, Abydos. Uh, I- Okay, never mind. Continue. I'm just gonna go on a rant about Egyptologists. Yeah, no, they're they're uptight dicks. <laughs> well, I mean, one of Egypt's oldest. No, okay, got they're killed uptight the dicks, and we hate them. All of us, including you. You say yes. it too. Abydos is home to many temples and tombs, some of which can uh, contain the remains of pharaohs. Those are though archaeologists have been aware of the brewery's existence since the earliest 20th century, it has only been excavated recently. I saw mm. this picture. Uh, I saw these pictures of this of this site from uh, not vine pear articles, and I'm still just kind of like, yeah, show me more. According to the Egyptian Tourism Ministry's Facebook page, the site located in the desert of North Abydos uh, housed eight units deeming it a high-production brewery. The units consist of 40 earthenware pots arranged in two rows uh, to produce the beer, grains, and water heated in the mixture within the pots, which were held stationary by clay levers. A brewery of this scale was capable of producing 22,400 liters at once, a technological feat that Dr. Matthew Adams head archaeologist of the U.S. Egyptian mission, is confident ancient Egyptians made use of. Well, duh. I'm, I'm, I, as you were reading that, I'm literally trying to figure out, like, okay, so if, like, my arm width is about yay, what's the diameter? And maybe I could work out, like, the, 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 the rough volume of what that 187. 187.85, eh, 86 we round up, barrels. Yeah, that's about what I was coming to. So the ancient beer uh, wasn't just for casual consumption, <laughs> though. Dr. Adams claims that ancient Egyptians used the beer for sacrificial rituals, performed uh, at the funerals of kings. Uh, that's all just hearsay, and okay. he has no proof of this. Uh, that's me just stepping in, like, no, Egyptian, like, the people who built the pyramids and everything else, like they were just, this was for consumption. He just wants it to be important. Yeah. I <laughs> we mean, didn't need I, I, any I, more convincing of the magical uh, properties of beer, but it seems we've found it nevertheless. I mean, in fairness, isn't that really, okay. It's like, they're like, oh, isn't it so magical that we, we, we prepared it for the afterlife for them. No, isn't it more magical that the people who made this magnificent structure that is here is from them just going like, yeah, no, you can't, you, you need to take a break. You need to eat something. I don't have time to eat something. Drink something. Uh Oh, here's all my calories I need for like the next. Yeah. No, that like the biggest gripe I have, uh, from 
you know, studying archaeology is people need to realize the the myths around the Egyptians and what's true and what's not. But yeah, and no, the uh, it's 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 honestly difficult to decipher because uh, it's proven Jews didn't build the pyramids. Okay, and that, that, okay, I'm not saying that. I meant other things. But okay, fair enough. Egyptians, like regular ass Egyptians, built pyramids and they drink a lot of beer. Well, uh, so this may this may be something that just hits Bob. Okay. So ethereal would probably be about the same size as this brewery. <laughs> wow. Uh, how? I'm sorry. I, I how big did they say they're? 180 yeah. barrels at one time. So 185 at one time. So you're looking at something like 12, uh, 15 barrel fermenters. Actually, no. That sounds about right. That's. Did you doubt no, me? No, it, it, it was. It was literally. You said that, and I was like, I I knew roughly the size of their fermenters, and so yeah. when you said it, I was trying to like like okay okay Casey, I know you can break this down for me. Give me roughly <laughs> what the modern size fermenters yeah. that they're using not, are, not because I. Yeah, no, that sounds about right because. Uh, uh, Oh God! We need to get down, uh, because they're Saki. Yes, uh, the pe- people I know that work there also make sake at a place that's going to open soon. I really need to talk to my friend that is there with them with that about Maybe trying to. Yeah, do an episode there. Maybe I'll talk. I can't guarantee I can do it. I'm awkward in general. But anyway, speaking of someone who is not awkward in general, uh, would you like to uh, know about what John, uh, John Gotti's uh, wine collection was like? I'm going to assume it's extravagant. I mean, probably. All I can think of anymore when I hear John Gotti is just someone talking about them being... Like in New York at the time of his trial and someone being very Long Island and saying like, he was just a nice man. Why are they trying to go after him? Sure. Uh, very specific insight. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just reading Don't Know Change. It's a very scientific and mathematical fact uh, from Casey. I think you might, might be right about that from Bob. Uh <laughs> All right. Anyway, John Gotti's uh, wine collection is up for sale. Uh, I don't. How long ago did he die? Maybe I'll pop up in this article. Thank you. Uh, wine lovers who aspire to drink from a collection of a world famous mafia boss can purchase uh, bottles from John Gotti's stash. No pinky ring qu- required. Thank you, Vine Pair. We really needed that extra little dose of little, little spread of racism in there. Uh, Tony Diantio, uh, owner of new of uh, the Queens uh, Queens New York wine store, Enoteca Enosea, Enoteca. It, it, it's one of those oh. two. L I C. Biblioteca. Biblioteca. <laughs> okay, quick show of hands, everyone who immediately went to community with the Biblioteca. Okay. Hi. Two 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 thirds of us. So in, uh, in your, it, it, like, 
that's an Italian. Uh, the first the first part of that is um, Italian or Latin for for wine. Um, I would bet Italian. Uh, Latin wine study. Uh, Latin for wine would probably be something closer to like wine, like vin, or oenology. Oenology is the study of wine. So, various, which is okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Sorry, I'm just going through various Latin and Greek gods that would. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um. So anyway, uh, they man. Uh, this company managed to get their hands in a bottle, uh, uh, three dozen bottles from the late Teflon Don's wine collection, uh, according to the New York Post. And there's a picture of Jay Leno. Um, sorry, just weird things I'm scrolling through. Uh, Diantio, who doubles as a criminal defense attorney uh, for John Gotti's son, Jr., has already sold one bottle of Petraeus for more than $5,000. That's entirely too much money to spend for one bottle of wine. <laughs> maybe. Maybe three. So... The photo they've got here of the Petrus 2000 is the the like most recent vintage there. Call me crazy, but John Gotti went to jail in 99. I mean, yeah, that doesn't mean he still didn't buy stuff. Like, he was only in jail and a mobster. He was in jail. Have you seen Goodfellas, Casey? Is it his collection at that point? Yes. Well, so. debatably, but yes. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, nine more uh, remain in uh, the storage collection, along with four bottles from Domaine de Romani Conti Gran Extra, whatever. Uh, several bottles of Chateau uh, Latrif Rothschild. Uh, prices range from nearly two thousand a bottle, which is still entirely too much, to a whopping ninety-five hundred, which is more than you should pay for really anything in your life. Uh, through Junior plans on donating uh, the proceeds, so, though Junior plans on donating the proceeds to charity. Each bottle comes with a certificate of authenticity, just like your fanciest plates of uh, uh, designer. What are they? Those things, uh, ceramic plates. Presidents. Sure, why not? I, don't... <laughs> I understand what you're saying. Like the plates that go on the wall. Uh, 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 commemorative plates. That's what I'm trying to get. Yes, to. yes. Uh, despite the Most acclaim of, thank you. Uh, despite the acclaim of producers, uh, Diantio remains uh, that he would wouldn't be surprised if their buyers never uncork them, because they like the taste of vinegar for their grandchildren. Yeah. He describes the wines as pieces of living history that have a certain unicorn factor to their or origins of their ownership. Oh yes, I wouldn't drink this wine. It was, it was purchased by a murderer, and a racketeer. Can you taste that in the terroir? Uh, you can actually. 
I can taste the murder. Uh, there is no telling how these bottles of wines would be best enjoyed, kept in a trophy case for posterity, or cracked open as the start of a good fellow showing. That one I can agree with. Mm. Guys, can we? Okay, look. If everyone gives us enough money, I would buy. If we had enough money to buy this wine, I would buy one bottle of this wine and then us just watch Goodfellas. No. Look, I'm not saying we would enjoy the wine. I'm just saying if we had enough money, sure, I'd blow it in a Goodfellas watching. If, If we had... Also, maybe some Italian food. If we had 23 friends and we wanted to split a bottle of wine 23 ways, you know, at, at even the some of the more moderately priced wines, we'd still be paying the price of a bottle of Sam Adams Utopius for one ounce of this wine. And I'm not willing to do that. No, I'm not <laughs> willing to do that. This is I'd, the Utopius year. Let's keep that in mind here, gentlemen. Patreon.com slash have a drink show. Yes, you can go there and donate so we too can watch Goodfellas while drinking this wine, which admittedly, wine if box. we had if we had enough money to do that, would you not want to just sit there and go, yeah, watch Goodfellas again? Have a drink <laughs> show uh, Patreon to make sure that uh, Kent and Amos if they uh, can make it to Cincinnati this year, can have some Utopias. Mm. Ooh. No, uh, they show up too soon for that, right? Mm, there might be some Utopias left from last time, but that would secure the bottle for New Year's Eve. Ooh, okay. Ooh. All right, fair enough. Well, And some Marilyn Monroe commemorative plates. <laughs> As soon as you said that, like both my hands went over my crotch as if to cover a dress that was being blown up from a subway draft. That's the Nothing. plate. <laughs> uh, so you well, all know the picture that just reminds me. My dad has a picture frame on his shelf. One side is my sister, one side is me. Picture of my sister is her standing there holding a shotgun up. And, the and is the picture of, of you is, is holding... You're standing over, up? standing over a um, a great. <laughs> I know Cincinnati. this picture. I know this picture. Where, yeah, you both know. It. Wearing my kilt, and the wind is blowing up, and I'm doing the Marilyn Monroe in my kilt. Because everyone behind me in Cincinnati. Can I take that, that photo? Day, you you might have, have. Everyone behind me got a good look at my big hairy ass. I was in front of you. Well. We would like to remind everyone, as we are done with this episode, uh, that this is our news-only show. But you can also uh, watch our weekly long-form show where we discuss the science and history of what you drink. Uh, If you'd like to hear or want to support Have a Drink show, please go to patreon.com slash have a drink. If have a drink show, yes. Thank you. Sorry. Patreon.com slash have a drink show. If you'd like to support us, maybe buy us a bottle of Petrus you know ninety nine. Not 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 John Gotti's wine. You know what? I don't want murderer wine. You get like a two thousand dollar discount if you buy just the normal Petrus. Uh you don't but, buy his bottle. 
it's the gaudy premium. Uh, but yeah, you can, uh, yeah. Anyway, we'll see you next time. Uh, <laughs> once again, I'm not Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And <laughs> I might be Justin I'm Casey Price. We'll see you next time. Bye. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>